as I get older, it seems that I take more notice of the milestones in my life. As I get older, it seems that I am more aware of the days as they are going quickly passing by. This year, this past January, I've been married 20 years. 20 years, it seems like a flash to me. It may seem like an eternity to carry. It seems like a flash to me. This year, my baby daughter just brought her home the other day, just unbuckled her from her little basket and carried her into the house. She's now 14 years old and she's a freshman at the high school. Sometimes she illegally drives to the high school. <laughs> this week, this past week, it was last Sunday, seven years ago that I preached in view of a call here at Calvary Baptist Church. I've now been the pastor here for seven years. I remember we walked in that day, we were carrying Will as a little baby. Last week also, last week was my birthday. All of a sudden, I'm 46 years old. It's hard to fathom. It seems like just two years ago, I was 26 years old, but time is going very quickly. It seems impossible. As crazy as that seems, my brother this past week turned 50. I have a picture of us. That seems not that long ago. If you notice, I was one working and he had a football helmet on playing. <laughs> but as I get older, as time is going by, as I'm more and more aware that time is marching by, in fact, the time is flying by, my question has become, and my question for us today is this, is my life 46 years just like that, 20 years married, just like that, a baby girl 14 years old, just like that, are these days that are going by, is my life or are our lives having and producing an eternal effect? Or are they having, are they producing an evaporating effect? Very simply, are these days days that truly matter or are they days that really possess very little meaning? The Bible tells us our days are but a vapor. We see that continually in front of us. But our days are but a vapor here today and then just like a puff of wind gone tomorrow. Our days are like a vapor. But the Bible also tells us that our days can carry a great eternal impact. So the question this morning is, is your life or are our lives producing an eternal effect or are they producing an evaporating effect? Today our message is entitled, Investing for the Eternal. Investing for the Eternal. I was going to take a chunk of verse 8. I'm taking just one verse today. Luke chapter 16, today verse 9. Luke chapter 16, today verse 9. Investing for the eternal. I'm going to ask if you would, if you stand with me in the reverence and the honor of the reading of God's word. Jesus continues on and he says this. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. I'm going to read that again. Jesus is continuing on. He just finished the parable and he says, And I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness, so that when it fails, they will receive you 
into the eternal dwellings. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today, and I am thankful today for a risen, resurrected, reigning Savior, King Jesus. I pray as we gather today as your people, that our eyes would be upon you, that our hope we would know is firmly established in you, that our salvation comes from you, and I pray as we start this time, that again, we would just have our eyes upon you and our ears set to hear from you. We love you, we praise you, we worship you. I come now and I pray as we begin to look at this one little verse, that you would speak your truth. You spoke it. It's your eternal word. I pray that it would speak to us today. I pray for some in this hour that do not know Jesus Christ, that our goal would be your goal, your desire, that none should perish, and that in the preaching of your word, the drawing of your spirit, today they might put their faith in Jesus Christ. I ask that you would move in this hour. I ask that you would move and that your hand would strive with this church. That we would be in your will. That many would come to know Christ. That we would grow as disciples. We would go out and turn and make more disciples. We praise you. We love you. We exalt the name of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As we begin today, we have to remember again the context. Remember this morning... Jesus is talking to his disciples. He is teaching. He is instructing his disciples. If you remember in chapter 15, he had a word for the Pharisees and the scribes. He had a message for the Pharisees and the scribes, those religious leaders. And he had it for them in the form of three different parables. Well, now as we moved into the 16th chapter, he has introduced yet another parable. But now he is using this parable to teach and train his own disciples. If you remember also last week, he has laid out the story of the unrighteous manager. That manager that was a worldly manager, that was a self-seeking, self-serving manager. And he tells the account of how that man acted shrewdly. Also, if you remember, the point of last week was that the truth of last week, and we, we look at that, we pull that out of that. The truth of last week is that worldly people are more diligent to serve a cause that doesn't matter than God's people are to serve the only cause that truly matters. And Jesus was making that point. Look at these worldly people. Look how they are committed and how they are shrewd and they are diligent in a cause that's going to pass away and a cause that truly doesn't matter. And then look at God's people and how they tend to shrink back. And the, the point of last week is how, how could it ever be that worldly and lost people would show a commitment to a cause going nowhere, a greater commitment than Jesus Christ followers do to the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's the point from last week. And how amazing that it still holds true. And we look around the world today and we survey the world today. And how crazy is it that people are more committed to causes that go nowhere than they are to the cause of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well today Jesus brings that point forward in this verse today. He's going to make it very practical. He's going to show us how to apply, but he brings that point forward into this verse today. And the truth of our verse today is this. I'll just lay it out here at the front so we can, we can have that already established. The truth of today is this, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it, and I'm going to make it very plain this morning. Listen very carefully. 
Your faith in God, your trust in God, your commitment to Christ, your obedience to God is shown clearly and decisively in how you use your money. And that's the truth. And some of you said, there's an old man, God, this was the week to miss. <laughs> Listen to this. Get this today. Jesus says to follow him in Luke 14, it's an all-in effort. Well, guess what? That's going to show up on how we use and handle our money. Jesus says in Luke chapter 14, if you remember as he teaches on disciples, he says to be a follower of his, to be a true disciple, it is a total commitment. Well, that can't help but show up in how we use our money. Jesus says to follow him, it's going to cost us everything. That's going to show up. It can't help but show up in how we use our money. And that is the truth of today. Your faith in God, your trust in God, your commitment to Christ is clearly and decisively shown in how you handle and use your money. Now before we get too down today, before we get too upset today, let me say this. So let's use it to honor Him. So let's use it to glorify Him. Let's use it to serve Him. God, you dictate how we use and see our money and we'll use it to bless your cause. You can be mad if you want to, but I'm going to be excited. God, let us bless you with our money. Let's look at the verse today. We're going to break down piece by piece. Verse 9. It says this. Jesus continues and he says, And I say to you, And I say to you, Another translation says, And I tell you. Understand, this is a personal statement from Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know how, how we can't understand how huge that is, how profound that is. Jesus Christ says, I tell you. Jesus Christ says, here's a personal statement for you. Understand, Jesus is using the parable of the unrighteous manager, and he says to his followers, listen up, I tell you, I say to you. It is a personal directive from Jesus Christ. Then he continues on and he says, I say to you, make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness. Make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness. Now if you remember, we have to understand in context, remember this unrighteous manager, remember how he was shrewd and remember how he swayed the opinions of others to, to, to point favorably into himself by using the account of the owner. Well, Jesus says, remember that example, remember that picture. He says, in the same way, we are to make use of the wealth of unrighteousness. Now, look how it's starting to line up. In the same example, that person that was shrewd in a worldly cause, in that same manner, you're to use the wealth, make use of the wealth of unrighteousness. Now let's look at that, that term, that phrase, the wealth of unrighteousness. Now this is a complicated thing to understand. In fact, there's many different thoughts, many different opinions about what it truly means. Some say that this is referring to money that is secured dishonestly. Or it is some money that, is, that has had an ill-gotten gain. And that's how 
the money was put together. So they would say this means take your ill-gotten gain, take your stolen money, and use it to secure friends. There's some that, that promote that, some that teach that. I do not believe that. In context, I believe it means not ill-gotten wealth. I believe it means in context, all wealth. The Greek word here, mammon for mammon, actually is a word that means riches. And so understand, the riches of unrighteousness. The riches of unrighteousness. The first thing we understand in the context is these are false riches. In verse 11, it's going to tell us about true riches. And so it talks about the mammon, the riches of unrighteousness. These are false riches. Now, understand all riches, and you have to see this in context again, all riches, Jesus is teaching, tend to lead us to greed. All riches, no matter who you are, tend to lead us to jealousy. All riches tend to lead us to self-focus and idolatry. These are false riches. That's why Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 says you can't serve both money and God. And a few verses later down, he's going to say you can't serve both money and God. You'll be divided. And so I believe he is talking about here all money, all riches. So see this today. Settle this today. This is the first thing we need to establish before we move on. Understand this. Your wealth, no matter how great, can't save you. Understand that. Your wealth, no matter how great, cannot add to your righteousness. Do you understand that? Some people think, well, if I give to a good cause, and if I'm generous with my money, and I'm known as a generous person, somehow that adds to my righteousness. Well, understand your money cannot, does not add to your righteousness. Your money, your wealth, no matter how great it is, cannot save you. These are not true riches. Then he continues on. He says, so that when it fails. So that when it fails. Now the Greek word for fails here holds the meaning eclipses or vanishes or dims, darkens. Another translation says it becomes obscure. That's, that's the meaning for that word fails here. When your riches, these false riches, when your riches dim. When your riches vanish, when they become obscure, the verb tense here is when it fails. It says, so that when it fails. Understand here by the verb tense, it is a certainty. Jesus is telling us this is not a probability. Rather, this is a certainty. He says, when your riches fail. Listen to me this morning. Hear me this morning. Do not be fooled. Earthly riches will fail. We don't act like that. We don't think that, but understand today, earthly riches will fail. They will fail to last. They will fail to endure. They will fail to satisfy. They will fail to fulfill. They will fail. And ultimately, when you die for you, they will fail to even matter. Now think about that for just a second. Most of the time, we wouldn't say that most of the time, we would say, you know what, I understand money doesn't last and you can't put a, a U-Haul on the back of your hearse. And we, would, we would say those things. But understand, we actually live counter to that truth. 
Now, I'll just tell you, the day we live in 2017, a very materialistic day, our thoughts are that our riches are everything. And we train our kids in that. We go to school to make more money. We want to get jobs and make more money. And it's all about what we can secure, the things that we can have. And, and we think today our riches are everything. And we believe, and we wouldn't say it, but we truly believe our situation could only improve if we had more riches. Does anybody here disagree with that? You know what? My situation would greatly improve if I had more riches. So it's better to have more riches. Some of us here think our health would somehow be better if we had more riches. Some of us think oh, our relationships, they would surely be better. They would be less strained if we had more riches. So it's better to have more riches. Some of us here say our future would be more secure, and I wouldn't have to have this anxiety. Our future would be more secure, so for sure it's better to have more riches. We would say our lives would have less stress. Look at the stress we're under trying to, to meet these bills and meet these obligations, and so surely it's better to have more riches. We think you know, our kids would be better served. They'd have better opportunities, and they'd have a better childhood if we had more riches. So surely it's better to have more riches. Some of us think our legacy would be better and our legacy would be bigger and it would last longer. And so for sure it's better to have more riches. And we chase after false riches. Jesus says here that is foolish. Jesus says here that is false. He says be sure today your riches will fail. Oh how sad to get all the way to the end. And maybe you pulled it off. But to get all the way to the end, and I built that business, and I got those accounts full, and our retirement's solid, and the house and the cars are paid for, and the kids got the grandest education. How sad to get all the way to the end and realize my riches have failed. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or land. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand. Charity, I'm going to end up leading the music before this is over. <laughs> Jesus says your riches will not last. They will fail. And so listen now how he ties it back together. I want to read all verse 9 together. And I say to you, make friends for yourselves. Now remember the, remember the context of the story. Remember that guy, how he made friends. Make friends for yourselves by means of the wealth of unrighteousness so that when it fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwellings. He says, make friends who will receive you into the eternal dwellings. See the picture here. See the truth that Jesus is laying out here in this one verse, verse 9. Folks, pay attention to this. Jesus is saying, Jesus is using this parable to say to us, the wise use of our riches, the wisest use of our wealth, is to use them to point people to the gospel of Jesus Christ and then ultimately to Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is saying here, friend, use your wealth, use your money, and use it generously 
to lead people to Jesus Christ. And then those friends who find Jesus, who find Christ because of your generosity, one day will greet you and they will celebrate with you in heaven. Jesus is saying here, verse 9, and this is a big deal, this is what it all comes down to, how we use our money won't save us, but how we use our money might lead others to be saved. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying here, the fact that we accumulate a bunch of wealth down here is not going to glorify us, but if we use it wisely to point folks to Jesus Christ, it will glorify Him. Picture looks like this. It's a real picture. You can take your riches, you can take your wealth, let me just clear this up right quick. Sometimes I think, well, I'm not rich and I don't have wealth. Those of us in this room are richer than 95% of people that walk the earth today. He says, you can take your riches, you can take your wealth, and you can, you can spend it on yourself. And you can buy all the things that you want to have, and you can stack it up somewhere in the bank, and you can do work well by the world's standards. And when you die someday, as they come by your funeral, they're going to talk about, oh, how rich they were. Oh, how good they did. Oh, look at the, the things that they were able to accumulate. Or you can take your wealth as you live this life, and you can give it to the great commission of Jesus Christ. You can give it to those that are going to Ecuador to spread the gospel. You can give it to the mission fund. You can give it to a faithfully gospel-producing, proclaiming local church. And then there's going to be one day that you step into heaven, and you're going to meet folks there who were hopeless in their sin, who were lost without Jesus Christ. But then because of the forward going of the gospel, thanks to your faithful stewardship, they'll be able to celebrate you with you, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, that's what we invest in. That's what matters. You can stack it up and you can buy all the stuff and when it comes to the end, they're going to shut that casket and they're going to drop it in the ground and it won't matter for a hill of beans or you can use it for the gospel of Jesus Christ and one day they'll be a redeemed person by the blood of Jesus Christ that'll say thank you for your generosity to the cause of our Savior, our Lord. Invest in the eternal. One crazy little verse. Is your life going to be a vapor? Pass it away. Or will it have an impact that is eternal? Jesus says, you know what, it shows up in your mind. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come today, I'm thankful for the truth of your word. And as I hear it, I am convicted. As I hear it, I must tell you, forgive me. For I invest in myself. I invest in the things of this world. Where I put my hope in a hope that's going to pass away. Help me, help us, help Calvary Baptist Church to be generous to the cause of Jesus Christ the only thing that will stand. <laughs> Forgive us where we've been off track. Help us, empower us to look different. Oh, what you can do with the people in this room who became generous to the cause of the Great Commission. Thankful for your truth. I'm thankful that you didn't pull it back. Didn't, didn't say, well, maybe you'll figure it out. Maybe only a few will have this. But you tell us boldly, this is the truth of your word. Pray that the impact will be great. 
Pray as you prepare to come back that we would grow more urgent in it. That our commitment would glorify you. And today we love you. We praise you. We worship you. We thank you. We honor you. And I pray in Jesus' name.